This Tomorrow is a webcomic that brings you a weekly take on current events from the Zorro TV network and their various hosts and commentators. Is This Tomorrow is in full color and never has any paywalls or advertising. In celebration of their favorite holiday, the creators of Is This Tomorrow have created a special section on their horror and Halloween-related comic strips. Simply go to isthistomorrow.com and look below the logo for the black banner link to our Halloween horror section. There you will find more absurdist humor, along with some truly disturbing horror stories, all with a darker theme. So grab your favorite laptop or tablet, turn out the lights, and delve into the darker side of sequential storytelling at isthistomorrow.com. Welcome everyone to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And, and I'm Josh Clemens. Uh, <laughs> we're going to introduce you, Josh. No, God fine. damn it. No, no, that's oh, fine. Shoot. <laughs> All right, who is Josh Barry? Tell us. Josh, tell, tell us who you are, man. Why are you well, on here? Musically, <laughs> yeah. I was in, played in a lot of bands in Tallahassee around the same time that... Uh, that Barry did. That's Barry right. did. And um, which band? What, what was your Tallahassee band? Or uh, Grecian, the, was this Grecian Formula 16? No, no, I was in Grecian Formula 16. No, but the band. Yeah, I'm Barry saying what bands? What band. were your band? Bone, Bone Ranger. Bone Ranger. Right. Grecian Formula 16. All right, so what bands were you in, Chris? I was in the Josh. Turns nice. He already screwed oh, your John, name did up. did I call him Chris? <laughs> I'm already into Big Star. <laughs> so you were in the Turns? <laughs> I was in the Turns. Mm-hmm. That's T-E-R-N-S after the bird, correct? After the bird, of course, correct. yeah. So everyone could will misspell it, and you can correct them. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah Barry gave me a pleasure. tape of uh, your band, the uh, Singing Spoons. Yeah, or yes. he gave me like a compilation, like no, uh, it was. I gave him that tape that uh, that that stuff you guys recorded after Resin Cabin, the um, and the yeah. stuff that Mike <laughs> put up. Um, yes, called that was, some, Mar- some of that was pretty good. It was really. Yeah. Good. Oh my yeah, god, good are stuff. you kidding? So, can they find, can any of that be found online now or no? Probably. Barry, you have to know Barry personally to get that. Um, I think I, I think gave it to you. To. You did, but I'm saying I'm just saying for our listeners. Oh, you know what? Dig into the. I wonder if uh, I might put that. Maybe it's on YouTube. Maybe some of it. Josh, I don't think so. No, you, I don't think you can even Google it. You have to know the address. To type into the search bar. Because <laughs> this is a, a great lost American classic album, American Buckle. So I, yeah. Do you do you play still, Josh, or just play for fun? Or I don't. I've got three little kids, and uh, God damn, those damn to... kids are such a buzzkill, man. <laughs> <laughs> they, will, they will wear your ass he out. He has three really boys. Oh, three wow. boys. Okay, well, yeah, no more music. Um, all right, so you, so what? The, we didn't say the record that Josh picked yet. The record you picked is Big Stars' number one record. Number one record. And, uh, yeah, this is a really... I forgot... The, obviously, I, I, I listened to this record a lot, but I hadn't listened to it for years, I think, and I listened to it again. And, and would you guys agree, this record should be, like, in the yeah. pantheon of great, oh, like, like Blonde on Blonde, oh, or Who's Next, or... Yeah, of course. Revolver. Yeah. This belongs in that. Of same course, pantheon, it does. Right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And I think for, for a lot of us, it, it is in that... Uh, yeah, in, yeah. In that group. But crazily, yeah, I guess I guess part it came out in um, 
1972. Which is also, you go, you know, come on, wait a second. That this came out in '72. Oh right, right, and right. you know, it's but uh, but the thing is, it was on it was on this Memphis-based <laughs> Ardent Records, and because due to poor, because it was critically it it, it was lauded. I mean, they sure. critics yeah. knew it was great, but because the the label was so bad and poor distribution, it sold fewer than Terrible ten thousand copies yeah. of this amazing right. classic record. Yep. At the beginning, yep. uh, since then, it sold a lot more. So when did you? So uh, <laughs> when did you first hear this, Josh? Like when were you? Well, I first to? heard it when it, this. I mean, it, it blew up like a bomb in the mid '80s, I guess, when it was reissued on CD, and everybody was was buying it and sharing it and and spreading it around. And uh, our, our, a friend, a good friend of ours, and Barry knows, and Dave Murphy. Oh um, yeah. Was was real big on this record, and uh, yeah. he he um, worked at the music store, so he kind of got the word out, and then everybody everybody got into it. Yeah, I mean, everyone and, went nuts um, because when you listen to it, it sounds like all your favorite, like the bands that we liked in the eighties, like the Replacements and uh, Teenage Fan Club and REM. Yeah, and then uh, and Guided by Voices for me, I'm a big Guided by Voices fan, and I hear a lot. Oh, I me mean, too. yeah, yeah, right, and uh, so yeah, they sounded. It sounded like all these these bands that we loved, and we're going, oh, okay, yeah, these, okay. these people. So, Josh, to the big next stuff. time we we do another Guided by Voices record. You and Rob can just do it, and then I'll. Oh, <laughs> I know we tried. I, could I do I, that. Y'all already did Propeller. So yeah, we, that, I know. that was an excellent choice. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you, Josh. It <laughs> it's was nice fine. of you to say that. I'm just being an ass. He is being an ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so yeah, so the '80s. Uh, yeah, I think when they re-released it, wasn't it that dual cassette? I mean, dual uh, CD. CD. It was like it, number one record. Yeah, it was both records on one CD, and right. they had, in, in order to fit it on a CD using the technology of 1985 um they had to take uh two songs off of the first record great to, to great fit job it on there. Yeah. later somehow they were able to fit oh all the put songs. them back on so what song do you yeah. remember what songs weren't on the uh that reissue it was in the street and that last little instrumental yeah. st 100 slash six right 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 and i think frankly as much as i love that record it actually flows better without those songs. Really? Okay. Because yes. it does have 12 tracks, so it's a little longer than your mm-hmm. average 70s record. You know, you usually get 10 tracks. And, uh, yeah, okay, that happens. All right, so mm-hmm. let's talk a little about the members. Alex Chilton. Obviously, more people know about Alex Chilton. Uh, yes. Because, but um, one thing that, that I love the one factoid about him was that he his like biggest hit, uh, probably his biggest hit ever was the letter with the box tops. He sang mm-hmm. that song, uh, the letter, which everyone knows that song. Everyone's heard that song, and he was only 16 years old when he did that right. song. Yeah. And it's like yeah. when you listen to it, it sounds like this guy, this blues singer guy. Yeah. It does not sound like a. I'm sure he came singer. by his jaded ways, quite honestly, having become a <laughs> pop star at 16. Yeah, yeah. but but he yes, was, uh, he was America's Stevie Winwood. Right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yep. So, he, but I think in a way it kind of hurt him because to have the first thing, be, have this huge hit, be the first thing you do, maybe the rest of his life, the rest of his career was, was like just trying to not, get back to yeah, yeah, and not quite getting back that. Even though he wrote so many great songs and and was such a great singer, and yes. uh, all right, so and I understand he was a he was an affable, uh, a good guy too, not not a jerk. 
Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, not like that Chris Bell guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, nah, that Chris you. Bell apparently uh, got in fights with other guys in the band. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, he seemed uh, like, but but the thing is, uh, Chris, so Chris Bell is. The, is wait, the other, we, did we all see the documentary? Have we all seen the documentary? I have not actually. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. I have not seen it. Oh my gosh! All right. Wow. Well, I guess me and Josh are, Barry will continue doing the podcast. Me and Josh will go watch. <laughs> that's the documentary okay. Now and come back. Um, Chris <laughs> Bell. Uh, Chris Bell struggled with a, a couple of different issues. And, um, you know, he, kind of another tragedy. He was only on the, the first big first star record, record yeah. and that was it. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then if there's some stuff that he contributed to the second record that had already been written. Oh, okay. I don't okay. know if he recorded it, but he was, he had written some parts and stuff for it too, according to yes. the webpage, the Wikipedia But page. he died really young. He died at uh, 27 in 1978. And, um, I guess he struggled with, uh, uh, Depression, yeah. with alcohol, drugs, and he also struggled with uh, Christianity because <laughs> he became. <laughs> that, I guess, that was well, what it said in Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. He a big, with uh, yeah, he became a well, big, uh, a big. Christian. I mean, he was. I believe you know he was gay, and he was. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. That was he had a. I this, did not know that. Yeah, he had a. He had a. a the story Barry's is. Gator. Barry's got strong gator. No, Even I mean, in, if you watch the doc, oh, okay, his family, that's right. the they're very southern, and you know, I grew oh, up in a right. southern family, so. There's some weepy sort of. He was special, and he was. But the 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 story that I have heard is that he had he was in love with Alex Chilton, and the love was not reciprocated. Oh, okay. And oh, wow. um, well, that adds a whole another layer to everything. But, or that maybe that he really and Alex does. had had a thing. Right? <laughs> there had maybe he and Alex had had a thing, and then Alex just broke it off or whatever. There's there was some a lot of stories about that, but. Chris Bell definitely struggled with, you know, oh, okay. uh, drugs, mental illness, well, Christianity, I'm watch, and I'm gonna have to watch that documentary. And being, you know, being gay in the South in the right. early seventies. So Gosh. I guess you guys could both also agree. I think that the first, there, there's nothing quite like that first album because he was the only uh, it was the, the oh, only man. one with him and Alex writing together. Yeah. And at the beginning, they kind of fashioned themselves like a <laughs> Lennon Mac- McCartney because sure. a lot of the songs, even though you know one of them probably wrote it, but they they have well, the, I think it even most says, of them they have yeah, both their names on there. Yeah. And. Uh, and then you could tell the the big star records after, even though they're still great, it's it's not the same it's as the first record. Yeah, it yeah. sure is. No, he's he... really missing his uh, his his input, his voice, and uh, his songwriting. Because I, I mean, to me, I, I love Chris Bell and I love his stuff. And I, he he did that solo work that was um, not put out until many years after he died. Right. Uh, I am the cosmos. Oh, oh right, gosh. right, right. That song that is album. incredible. And, Oh my gosh! And, and you and your sister. <laughs> yeah. um, it's great. It's weird. It's it's a little weirder stuff, weird. but it's but it's great. But it is great. It is great stuff. But I think you and your sister. I wonder if that because there's a story that um, Alex and one of the other band members, maybe the bass player, were dating mm-hmm. sisters, and that's I think where it the, was the bass player. And that, right, and that's where the title of the third record, the the alternate title, Sister Lovers. Came from oh right right sister love yeah. which is a weird record title <laughs> yeah it was a weird all right record. so it the- is and a lot of uh, a lot of crossings of it and there were umpteen crossings of it that were all different all had different song lineups oh really um yeah oh That's yes funny. I mean there's I remember when you could buy four or five different ones at the same <laughs> store and they'd have different uh, song lineups but some of them would not call it sister lovers because it was too weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy. Even now, it's controversial. Right, third. That's probably how he got the title, third. 
But they, he wasn't yeah. saying they were. He wasn't. He wasn't describing incest. He was describing two guys dating two sisters. Right. Right. Which right. I guess. But that's if you have to explain it, then it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. All right. So the rest of the band, real quick on bass, we had Andy Hummel, which who also contributes. He sings backing vocals, and he contributes a song on this that he sings. That's a really neat song. And Jody Stevens. Jody Stevens, the only surviving That's uh, it. member. That's yeah. it. Oh, the only one still alive. That's right. Because yeah, Alex nice Chilton. He still, hangs, he still hangs out at Arden Studios, from what I've heard. Oh, really? And he'll like, talk to people and yeah, wow. very approachable. That's kind of sad, actually, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not if no. you want to talk to him. It's cool. Not <laughs> if you want to meet the surviving member of That's Big true. Star. That's true. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Didn't you that. go see I mean, Mark? You went and saw Marky Ramone, so come on. I did, yeah. And that was, but that was a little <laughs> sad, too. Um, all right, so let's get into this record. The uh, Side one, the first song is called Feel. And it's one that uh, Chris Bell sings the first song, that Bell on lead vocals. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about this song, Feel. Oh, it's a great song. A lot of teenage love gets brought up in these uh, in these. Oh, yeah, yeah, songs. definitely. And, uh, um, and definitely. a lot of teenage angst. So what does this song remind? Does this song remind you guys of anything? Because I hear this song, I'm a real, uh, I'm a big Who fan. And uh, on the Who Sell Out, they have a song called Odorono, it's actually like one of their commercial songs. Oh, yeah. But Odorono yeah. has a very similar chord oh, progression well, you know, to this. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. If you listen to Odorono and listen to this huh. song, and it feels very Pete Townsend ish, the, uh, yeah. the whole song really. Well, does. They, I mean, there's, the influences are not too hard to pick out. There's, you got Beatles, serious Beatles. Oh, yeah, a lot, yeah a lot of Beatles. Right. And then, of course, uh, you've noticed The Who, and yeah. then and, um, um, Alex Chilton's singing voice. Apparently, he was um, very impressed. He saw Roger McGuinn. Roger McGuinn, yeah, right, exactly. I, I and so once you, once you, you kind of remember what I said about. A, I think before the show started, I said something about a cat showing up and starting meowing. Here's the cat, ladies the and cat has gotten on the table and he is prowling around for something to sit on. Meow at. What's that cat's name, Barry? That's, Which one is this? That's Percy. <laughs> Percy. Barry's got twelve cats. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a cat lady. No, he has two. A male cat lady. He has two. Um, all right, so it says. Uh, I feel like I'm dying. I'm never going to live again. Never going to. You just ain't been trying. It's, it's getting, getting very, very near the end. It's very, yeah, very dramatic. Very dramatic. And this, but this song also has the horns, really great horns in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that Memphis, that kind yes. of Memphis horn. Right, now. right. And apparently that's Chris Bell, all the production sort of touches. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was the, he was he was the, the studio one. guy. He right. was the guy that, yeah, that would, was Would the go and guy. sit in there in the studio for hours and hours. And do the stuff, whereas yeah. the other guys were, you know, right. Which not is, as into yeah. That. So that's why the records after they they lost the the studio guy too. So they definitely don't sound right. like They're this. Because this record does sound really great. I mean, it's got a lot of different sounds on it and everything. It uh, does songs from song to song. They sound different, but they're great. And and the harmonies, uh, those two guys' oh, harmonies gosh. is amazing, yeah. right? Yeah, the harmonies are fantastic. Yes, so, and that was and, also, I guess, it, Alex talked about that with Chris Bell. He said he didn't, you know, Alex obviously knew some music theory. He would say, you know, Chris Bell wouldn't say, well, I'm going to sing a fourth above you or whatever. Chris Bell would just come up with something that was. Well, just sing along with him and just sing it and <laughs> it was, sing something yeah. so much better right, was, than right, just right, like Everly Brothers, you know, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That natural thing. Right. All right. So we get song number two is a uh, Chilton, Alex Chilton singing, and it's the ballad of El Goodo. 
Yeah, oh, one of my all-time favorites. I know, I know. Yeah, this song, I'd forgotten. Like I said, I hadn't listened to this, so when it was playing, and I was like, oh, okay, because the, the title of the song doesn't really tell you much of, of what the song is, so I, I forgot that that's what this song was called, but yeah, I love this song. This song is great. You guys think that, I mean, I was... He said he brought this in, that he wrote this, that he brought this song to the man. He had written it before, but um, I just, I always remember in the 70s, you know, Vietnam, people getting, these guys getting, a lot of people getting drafted. Yeah, yeah, and, no, I, I think there's definitely, I picked that up too. Yeah. I think there's definitely some Vietnam I'm, illusions yeah, in this song. Because he, sure. he says guns, he said, but guns, they wait to be stuck by, at my side is God. So it's like, <laughs> stick to your guns. And then he said, there's people around who tell you that they know the places where they send you and it's easy to go. Yeah. They'll zip you up and dress you down, stand you in a row, but you know you don't have to. You can just say no. That's totally to Vietnam, right? Yeah, it is. Well, because zip you up could be either, you know, they put you in a you know nice outfit or they put you in a body a bag. A body bag, right. And dress you down and stand well, you I'm in always, a row. I've always envisioned that line as being about a mental hospital. Oh, uh, you know what? Equally, yeah, equally, <laughs> equally possible. <laughs> and a song about somebody who's, and actually, I think a lot of the songs on this album to me sound like people who are expressing their mental disorders. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. Or, or depression. I mean, depression. I guess. I think you're right because oh, okay. it's I, there's that sweet, there's a sweet, but a sweet melancholy that just, just comes through all these songs yes melancholy is a, is a great word for a lot and, of these songs yeah. you know you can't fake good, that <laughs> or if you can fake it you're you're really good but you have to be you know um <laughs> i remember the first time i heard um like the smile sessions from brian wilson when it was still you could only get it from somebody on cassette you know that this bit passed around from person to person and i was like Oh my! I was listening. I was like, "Oh, this is the sound of a guy losing his mind." His in, insanity bleeds through. I know it's as great as it is, but you can you, yeah, you can oh, hear wait, the, the, the madness. Really, yeah, that's 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 really cool. But that's no sane person would write that or say that. So yep. yeah, that's kind of what I think about the Big Star's third album. Well, there. Oh I mean, my God! Like, yeah, yeah. It's like a, um, an emotional breakdown. Of, <laughs> yeah. What's that? Um. What's the famous? Oh God, the guy from uh, Moby Grape made that solo record. Um, You've lost me now. I know <laughs> you're on your own, Barry. <laughs> I'll think of it and I'll come back up. But there's the the uh, like the drummer from Moby Grape made this incredible solo record that is really yeah. yeah but it's that same category of nuts. This guy's nuts. Yeah, he definitely was. Someone let him make a record. Yeah, and it's. It's yeah, oh, it's, it's really intense. No, like really you said, cool. you, stuff like that you you can't fake though. You got it's like it, it's uh, you can't you can't fake. Or course, I guess you could try. I am and fake sitting that, here so. with the internet, so I could uh, look right. up. Well, yeah. when you look up that, we'll Go get into it. the third song, which is in the street. And the this street. is this is widely known as what as a theme song to what. That 70s that show. That 70s show, yeah. It's performed by Cheap Trick, which it's almost... Yeah, but yeah, it's man. so different. They, they changed the key of it totally, and they really made it kind of a different song. So uh, it, it's, I kind of like... I, I, this is heresy, but I think I kind of like Cheap Trick. <laughs> well, Cheap Trick's version is great, and I love Cheap Trick, but it makes it more of an anthem, an anthemic song, and I guess I think this the original version in the street is more like a just the adolescent boredom. Like it, it more articulates the idea of just four teenagers you know okay so you guys want to uh, hear i dug it up you want to go back one step to the sure, crazy we stuff we don't really want it but there's no stopping you just there we go <laughs> all right 
It was Skip. So the Moby Grape drummer? No, nah, he wasn't the drummer. I was wrong. <laughs> he was, he was the guitar player. Skip Spence. And he made an album called Or, O-A-R, from 1969. Um, and it is... Sorry's the only one who bought it. No, actually, <laughs> you're going to find a lot of your hipster buddies. Oh, really? Bought, yeah, it was uh, very... Brad probably knows about oh, it. Oh, of course he does. I can't, be- I can't believe I worked with Mike Coleman for five or six years and have never heard of this. It was, um... You know, maybe it didn't get re-released or sort of re-examined until the 90s, I kind of think. Um, and but I would. What was it, this guy's name again? Skip. Skip Alexander. Um, Alexander Lee Skip Spence. <coughs> and uh, he. Um, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, he has been described on the All Music website as one of psychedelia's brightest lights. However, his career was plagued by drug addictions, coupled with mental health problems, and he has been described by a biographer as a man who quote neither died young nor had a chance to find his way out. So. But uh, the album Or is insanely good, and it's an insane guy. Well, we'll all have to check it out. Uh, and it's O-A-R. Skip, it Skip Spence, Skip yeah. Or. I'm going to <laughs> listen to that. So we have homework, Josh. We have to see that uh, that uh, Big Star documentary, and we have to get this record. That's right. We're going to have all this homework. Yeah, the Big Star doc is pretty amazing, too. All right, so this song, that, though. Um, yeah, go ahead. This in in the street. I meant Josh. Go ahead, not you. <laughs> no, go ahead, uh, Josh. <laughs> I was just going to ask what the name what the name of that big star documentary is. Oh gosh! All right, hold on. Barry's going to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, have, you still have the internet there? <laughs> I do. You so know. Uh, so Josh, that's funny that you say bill. that you that you like the but no the cheap trick version is great. It really is great, but it is like I said, it's kind of like a different song. Cheap but, trick. I think they yes. heard these. I think Rick Nielsen was aware of these. Records. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. And there are also Cheap Tricks huge Beatles fans, too. True, so, yeah. yeah. So it's hard to say where the line is drawn I, there. I read something interesting mm-hmm. that's kind of ironic, is that uh, Chilton received um, $70 in royalty payments every time that 70 show was broadcast. Uh, really? For the song on there, yeah. But he, <laughs> that amount, $70 in royalty really? <laughs> That's what I, I read on the internet, so it's got to be true, yeah. Um, uh, it seems like not much, but it doesn't. No businessman. It doesn't, but uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's just, not Seinfeld money. No, no, <laughs> no that's not. not Seinfeld money. <laughs> but cheap, cheap trick probably got got a little, you know, taste, and then uh, Chris Bell, his family's estate probably got some. Right. Um, the do- Big Star documentary is called "Nothing Can Hurt Me." Oh, that's right, nothing can hurt. And me. Uh, if you go to bigstarstory.com, really gotta com, that. I gotta see that. it's worth seeing because it's you know it's probably uh, depressing though, right? Uh, yeah. Most most <laughs> rock docs, good ones are depressing. I don't. Yeah, they are. The damned, the damned documentary. Um, yeah, very depressing. Very the depressing. Ramones, end of the century. Oh, did uh. Josh, you ever see that? I haven't. You know, I really haven't seen very many uh, musical documentaries. I, w- I would damn it, <laughs> by the time, if you're ever a guest again, Josh, you better, you better bone up on your music documentary. <laughs> or not. If you want to be but a guest if again. You wanna be, if you want to know what the Ramones were really like, and it's worth seeing. It is. It is. It's great. Um, I, I feel like I have a feeling of what they were really yeah. like. <laughs> Until you see Johnny interviewed, you don't really know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, it's, well, it's, now, Johnny was... Johnny knows uh, Dee Dee was the... Political right winger. No, right? no, Johnny. Uh, that's that was Johnny. Johnny, guitar player. That's Johnny. Johnny. Okay, Dee Dee was yeah. the junkie from Soup to Nuts. <laughs> yeah, Dee Dee yeah, no. was the junkie. Johnny was the right winger and sort of like the captain Nazi, of the, the band. The word is Nazi. The Nazi of the band. He was in, yeah. in all senses, in many of the senses of the word. Yeah. He didn't, and he didn't go to Joey's funeral or he didn't visit oh. him in the hospital because uh, why would he? Uh, we weren't really friends. 
<laughs> just to give you a taste of that. So we've, we've strayed from our... Yeah, we have. We but have, that's okay. Sorry, we have gotten off track. <laughs> that's all right. We come to uh, number four song, the beautiful... 13, the song oh, 13. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, so just go on, this go on, Josh. Yeah, tell tell about us about the, how this song uh, touched you just emotionally when you heard song. it. Right? Um, I believe it was, if I read the same Wikipedia you guys did, uh, Rolling Stone ranked it within its top 500 rock songs of all time. Yeah, and they probably ranked it way too low. There's probably some crap in there yeah. you'd go, uh-uh. It's, you know, it's so beautifully, higher. and it's so it's short. It's only two minutes and thirty four cents. I, I love how the music starts, and he starts singing almost right away. Oh, yeah. He doesn't let the, right. the intro go long, and he starts yeah. singing. And, and you um, know, uh, the, the, what I believe happened with that song is that um, Jack White, who occasionally has been known to borrow, uh, <laughs> right? So um, a, yeah, we've covered a lot of borrowers on our show. <laughs> Took that song uh, and kind of remade it into that song that he does. That oh, the, about the two kids who are in elementary school together. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that the um? Is that the uh, Napoleon uh, Dynamite song? Yes, the Napoleon Dynamite. It song. is, and it is very. You're right. You're right. It is very similar. He did. He sort of flipped around the the guitar thing again, and and he sang it kind of like Alex Chilton too. So yeah, definitely. He, he did, and he did a great job. He I mean, did. It, 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 that's a great song too. It is, but this song it just gets you. The, the line, I know everyone knows the line, won't you tell your dad to get off my back? <laughs> right. Tell him what we said yeah. about painted what black. What did they say? I know, right? What did they, but <laughs> Josh, what did, Susan and I were like, what did they say? What She was like, what does it mean? I was like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's per, The perfect thing is because it perfectly captures the importance of when you're a teenager oh, yeah. discovering the yeah. music that's yours and not your parents. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yes. And that's the yes. whole. That's the whole thing. It's like, and that's why I tell parents like, uh, Josh, how, how old are your kids now? My kids are uh, six, seven, and nine. Oh, okay. Well, soon you will see. They get older. Everyone they because because people like us, we think, oh, we like good music, though. We <laughs> yeah. like cool music. But you got to understand, you got to let your kids like this, these whatever this stupid hip hop guy with the tattoos on his face and shit. <laughs> they got to be But oh Well, whatever. But it's got to. They got to listen to some stuff that you hate because that's just the way it's got to be. They got to have their own thing. They can't just listen to like your shit because then first of all, they won't have any friends because none. Right. No one's going to want to hang around them. <laughs> but your kids, well, some, you know, you will turn them on to stuff that no, they no, will No, no, they like. will. They'll like some, but they also need, like I said, they they, they also need their own stuff, too. They'll yeah, like, they yeah, they'll they like do. some of your stuff, but they need their own stuff. And that's the great thing about, uh, it, it gets a lot of crap, but the great thing about Alexa and Amazon and all that yeah. is they can kind of explore that way. They can. You say right. just play right. something like, play, yeah, and it'll play tangential things, and you'll be like, oh, what's that? Right. And and they'll pick up your stuff because you'll be listening. And they'll go, oh, what's that? You know, right. and they'll kind of like it. But yeah. you can't force the shit down their throat. Uh, another queen, <laughs> another <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Another cool thing about this song is that it doesn't have a chorus. Really, it doesn't have a no. traditional chorus. Nope. It's just uh, that's true. Verses. It just has these verses, and it has that great little instrumental bridge. But think about it. A great song. One of the best songs ever written. It doesn't even okay, have. Okay. What about the chorus. line? Um, Would you be an outlaw for my love? And tell That's me, a great line. it is a great line. But since the song is called Thirteen, you go 
Like, is this an oh, older? No. Did he write it when he was twenty five? <laughs> Not twenty five. There's that kind of feeling about it as well. I, it does. <laughs> well, unlike you, cynical bastards, I like to think about it as two thirteen year olds. Well, he could be fifteen, you know. But the <laughs> okay. dad is, you know, the, the right, guy right. is older, and the dad is, you yeah. know. I think explaining your dad about paint it black if you're twenty one and she's thirteen is not going to. It's not going <laughs> to make any difference. <laughs> no. And the not. song within the song, they don't mention being thirteen. They they don't. No. No, no, the no, title no. of the song. Right, right, it is. Which they did, which uh, they're kind of big on that. They have some of these obscure Right, sort you don't of know where titles. it came from. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so right. this one's a Stone Cold Classic song. It is. It's Stone Cold Classic. Been covered by a lot of people, but no one, nothing's Nobody as good as it. this nope. original version, right? Would you agree, Josh? No. Did, uh, there, isn't agree. Some, there isn't some cheap trick uh, version that you like more, do you? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> I was watching. I gotta say, I was watching. I was watching our boys' cheap trick last night on Don Kirshner's rock concert from oh, maybe from '78. So and right? this is before they hit it big. Oh, wow. They yeah. were. If you, it's on YouTube. Cheap trick, Don Kirshner. It was off the hook. They were so intense. It was they're great. And there's, you know what? I saw them recently. They're still great. Uh, Robin Zander, best rock and roll oh, voice ever. God, that guy still voice. sings amazing. Yep. And it's the, know, and they were on like fire. 80? Yeah, he lives in West Florida. He lives over he on does. the west coast of Florida. That, that guy's still got it. All right, so this he is a, he does. He yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. Yeah, we don't see. Well, him I know some other stuff about him too that I'm not going to mention. It's okay. <laughs> no, don't. It's not um, bad, but it's not good. Uh, all right, so let's. We're about halfway through. Let's take a little break. Let's uh, refresh our drinks. Let's uh, get the cat off the table. <laughs> you and, good uh, luck. <laughs> We'll be back with Josh, Josh and uh, talking or about... Or Chris, as he's been known, yeah, as referred Chris. to earlier in the podcast. Uh, talking about Big Star. We'll be back in a minute. All right. Is This Tomorrow is a webcomic that brings you a weekly take on current events from the Zorro TV network and their various hosts and commentators. Is This Tomorrow is in full color and never has any paywalls or advertising. In celebration of their favorite holiday, the creators of Is This Tomorrow have created a special section on their horror and Halloween-related comic strips. Simply go to isthistomorrow.com and look below the logo for the black banner link to our Halloween horror section. There you will find more absurdist humor along with some truly disturbing horror stories, all with a darker theme. So grab your favorite laptop or tablet, turn out the lights, and delve into the darker side of sequential storytelling at isthistomorrow.com. That record got me high. We are back from our extended break. Yes, we were chatting about things unimportant to uh, to Big Star. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, maybe interesting to maybe Barry's cat. Right. We're here with Josh Clemens from Columbus, Mississippi, formerly of Oxford, Mississippi, and Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah, and we're talking about Big Star, number one record. That was, By the way, we didn't mention it, but that is that is kind of ballsy, calling your first record you released number, number one, one record. That's pretty ballsy, right? It could right? be ballsy. It could be cheesy. A cheesy, like, this is our number one <laughs> record. Yeah. It could be, or That's it's right. a pun, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like you know another band that these they remind me of that I that I like the Raspberries had that song uh, hit record that, you know that song hit record by the Raspberries. Josh, how about you? You know hit record by the Raspberries doesn't ring a bell. Oh, I can. Yeah, it's a great um, song. It's a great. I think song. I'm getting them confused with Marmalade. <laughs> Just because they're both fruit based. Yeah. Oh. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, understandable. All right, so we got the fifth song on the record is Don't Lie to Me. 
Right, a rocker. Chris Bell. Yeah, this is a rocker. Yeah, say rocker. That Chris Bell. Uh, but it's cool also because even though it's just it's a rocker, it's got a really good, cool um, guitar riff, but it's got this weird, spacey, noisy part in the middle of it. Right. Right? Yeah, it does. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which is cool. And think about the year, 72, 1972. It's, it's pretty wild. It is wild. Those guys were, you know, they were tuned into some... They were pulling stuff from the 60s, but then they were producing a new sound that t- turned out didn't get you know, didn't really hit for about five more years. I know, and, and it's amazing when you hear stuff like this, like, why do some bad... Well, actually, we know why with this, in the case, they were on a really bad label. That yeah, bad and they were in a bad... Right, they, were in a, they weren't in a big a city where they were going to make it. Right, and, right, right. But there was a famous... There's a story in the documentary, I'll clue you guys in, where they were, they were playing somewhere... Maybe Louisville, and there was a rock critics convention or something. Oh god, that, how horrible does that <laughs> sound? <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of yeah, a lot of cigarette and beer breath, right? Um, and body odor. Um, not all rock critics, but just a lot of them were like that. So, and then these critics all saw them live at this. They were played at this this rock critics convention, and they were blown away. They were like, you. They were like, this is a second coming of you right. know. And then they went back and wrote their stories, and nothing happened. It was just like this band was cursed as far as exposure. Right. Yeah. They got good press. And, and, uh, they, they did. And they nobody just didn't get any distribution. No. It was like the world was weighted against them. It was. And the second record, I guess, the they had <laughs> Stax had signed a, a distribution deal with Columbia, but then yeah, they got Columbia. in an argument with Columbia or Columbia and. Columbia said, okay, we're not going to distribute your records. So they just sat on their records. And it was, you know. That's a band that's cursed. That's and not only that, I believe they actually pulled their records from the shelf. Oh, no. <laughs> the ones that were already oh, out. No. <laughs> Which is why like, those records were so hard to come by for oh, so long. Oh, my God. All right. So we get to the last song on side one. Which is the India song. And uh, this is an unusual song. This is the bass player, Andy Hummel, wrote this, and he sings it. And uh, yes. what do you guys think of this song? It's almost like a, um, it's got a prog rock sort yeah, of well, feel. Yeah, well, there's flutes, right? Are, yeah. are those flutes? Or, or Mellotron or, or recorders flutes. Recorders or something? Mellotron flutes. Oh, Mellotron flutes. Yeah, That's yeah. Funny. It's really pretty, but th- this also reminds me of of like a, a early Who song that would be on a record that Pete Townsend would sing, like in that little light yeah, voice yeah. of his. So it reminds me of It's a really but, pretty song. It, it's beautiful song, and it's very idyllic. You know, he's going to... He's going to go and live this, you know, tired of people, and he's going to go and, you know. I picture a centaur, like, playing a flute, (laughs) (laughs) running through a field. kind of like that. It's a vision of India that I think he might have run run headlong into some reality. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, Oh my God, this is India? Yeah, there's a billion poor people. And uh, drink gin and tonic and play a grand piano. Read a few books. Far from what? What saddens my heart. Try to live away from it. So yeah, he's um find he's the new the girl. Beatles. Yeah, of course. And the Beatles, you you don't have to look far in this record to to find. Yeah, this could have been a you know a late era or middle to late era Beatles oh, yeah, track yeah, as right. well. Like a uh, George, maybe a George Harrison track. Yeah, and well, there's George Harrison. Yeah. So there's some George Harrison guitar playing on this record as well. Some some oh, yeah. slide playing that you're like, oh. Yeah, that somebody's These definitely doing George, yeah. doing George Harrison. But it's still, yeah, it's all great. Yeah, I was always curious 
as to why, if they had to cut off a song to fit it on the CD, why they didn't pick that one because it was it's so different from the rest true, of the album. True, true. I guess maybe to, to give Andy a song, though, on the record, yeah. you know, since yeah. it, it's his yeah, but song. Wait, yeah, but was Andy, okay, right, I guess, but by the time, you know, by the time these things came out on CD, who, I mean, who owned the publishing? Were they even making any money off? I guess Chilton was, you know... Uh, who knows? Seventy bucks from that uh, that seventy show. Everybody. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Cumblebutt was the one that he was still alive, but when mm-hmm. when Alex did the redid the Big Star thing, but he was not interested in um, <clears throat> in playing. Right? He just said he wasn't. You know, he was done. Oh, right, right. And uh, and they he, picked up. They got some other people. They've had a. I think quite a few different people play in various versions of Big Star. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously people like younger people probably knocking over, falling over themselves to get a chance to play with, play with Alex, Alex Shelton, right? yeah, and, uh, and, the, and the drummer, too. So, but. All right, so side two opens up with When My Baby's Beside Me. A very... Uh, um, yeah, this song is great because it's kind of... Um, this song is kind of a pioneering sounding song. It's like this song is power pop. Yeah, yeah. An yeah. embryonic form where you go, oh, mm-hmm. this sounds like something new, you know? Right. Yes. Well, that's what I like. All their, uh, no matter how power pop they were, they all these songs, they have this edge, though. They have this, like, rock oh, sure. edge. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, you know, and um, just the. the uh, Vocals like the the backing vocals and everything didn't never sounded fey. It all sounded like yeah, right. It was yeah, rock and roll. Yeah. yeah, really rock and roll and uh, really great. Even when they're singing, I mean, this song basically is kind of you know the lyrics because uh, when my baby's beside me, I don't worry. When my baby's beside me, all I know, you know, I don't worry. I mean, but just the, the delivery no, not, and the yeah, the, the songs. Are yeah, so it's great. not. A, they're not philosophically deep lyrics. Some of them are. It's, yeah. It, well, yeah, but it's still, it's, you know, it's the presentation and the delivery is really fantastic. I like the line is, been in school and dropped right out. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to find out what I didn't know. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and this, the music, um, it's, a, it's just a synthesis of, you know, 60s pop and just this driving thing that's a little bit, you know, anew, like they they conjured up something brand new for, for especially this track i think yeah i think that was kind of the sound that was so influential in the 90s it was for sure yeah this like this song if you go okay just listen to this and try to put a date on this song you, you wouldn't right. put 1972 on it no. at all yeah, right? more like 1992 <laughs> it, right? it does yeah for sure yep all right, so we get to the uh, number eight song is My Life is Right. And this was written by Chris Bell and Tom Eubanks. Who the hell is Tom Eubanks? Any ideas? I, <laughs> I was hoping someone else would look. Was he related to, was he related to Bob Eubanks? That's all I thought of was Bob Eubanks. Eubanks. Bob Eubanks. Yeah. It's got to be. How many Eubanks are there? <laughs> More than one, we right. know now. Well, so it's, but it's one of the There it's must be rare, some women as well. Yeah, this song is a real... Earworms type song because this song actually got even though um, I didn't at first it wasn't one that would grab me but this is definitely uh, it's catchy it's a really catchy song and it's mm-hmm. sentimental this one is very sentimental are they all love songs on this record to girls or love songs 
If Chris Bell's songs, it could be Get um, Girls or no, Guys. The, well, the one, I guess that wasn't on the, the re-release one, though. The one is just about being a bored teenager. In the street, is just like Yeah, that's bored true. Teenager, bored teenager. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, most of them are. I and think this, a lot of them are, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And this one, yeah, my life is basically saying my life is right because, you know, because I had and to I, be a, And I had to look up, you give me light, you are my day. And I kept hearing, right. I don't know what I was hearing, but I was, I, I was like, yeah, I gotta look that up. And uh, so this is a Chris Bell tune. Yes, as a Chris okay. Bell tune, yeah. which is maybe he wasn't. Maybe he's singing more like uh, wishful thinking, but uh, he's saying his life is right. But the next song, Alex Chilton is saying, "Give me another." He's asking for another chance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. saying, "Give me another chance." Uh, Alex needs another chance in this. He says, uh, "You you feel sad because I got mad, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Things I said made things seem bad, but don't worry because it's going to be all right now." And uh, and he says, "Be okay." You know, I just don't think before I speak. And I could, I could relate to that line. Yeah, I think we all have been there. He's angry. That song's got some uh, fantastic harmonies yes, on it. Yes, yes. I, I wrote that in there. Beautiful harmonies in this song. That's one, of my, that's one of my favorite songs on the record. And it took me, it was probably 10 or some years after I first got the record that that really sank into me as one of my favorites. Right, right. Because it's later on in it, right? Because you got the CD, so it's like later on. So you always you always sort of grab, you know when you, you get front CD, load the record. Yeah, you yeah, front load and you listen, so you, so you know the first four songs exactly. much more than the last four mm-hmm. songs. But yeah. yeah, you're right. Later on, you dig and you go, oh, wow, that's a great song. The yeah. number, number nine song is like this amazing song on the record. It is. It is. Now, Kristen, uh, uh, I called him Chris again. <laughs> Josh. I'm gonna apologize for my co-host for his. <laughs> I'm on my. Se- I'm into my second cocktail. That that record got he, me he high a, cocktail. He, he worked today, so I he did. had a he it's day job. It's been a long day, Josh. Uh, did did <laughs> any of your bands ever cover a big star song? No, we didn't. Um, they would have been too hard. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm thinking because I don't think any, we've all been in bands and stuff. I've never been in a band that tried to do a big star song. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Too hard. If you could play the, if you could play the music, trying to nail the harmonies. Oh, the harmonies! You, you yeah. sound ridiculous. Well, <laughs> actually, I watched one of the live Big Star things with Chilton and uh, the drummer, and uh, what's the drummer's name? Help me out. Um, Jody Stevenson. Jody Stevenson, Jody and then Jody Stevenson, and the two guys from Young Fresh Fellows or something, or one, another uh, band. Posies. 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was. I was astonished at how hard they were working to play yeah. those songs. I was like, oh, there's a lot more going on there. Oh, yeah. Well, when you list, I was thinking a couple of songs on this one and going, that's a sophisticated, that's really some sophisticated stuff and chords. Uh, and the bass player the- was, ha- there was, there was things going on and you could tell that they were, everybody was having to stay, give their A game to make, to bring that, you know, bring them, bring those songs to, to life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, because I guess Big Star did they? I mean, did did they tour? Did those guys they made at least? They made a live album. Um, there were no. I mean, the, the, no, I mean the original band. Did no, the original? I mean, yeah, the original band had a live album. Um, oh, really? It's just people don't think too much of it because I don't, and I haven't heard it. I've heard a little bit of it, right? But I think it just doesn't. It doesn't get it the way close to their studio work. Oh, okay. um, yeah, it's probably like one of those you know, like Beatles and Chase Stadium records or something. <laughs> right, and it's difficult to sometimes. It's you know if you spend a lot of time in the studio, sometimes you get out there and you're like, oh, 
How are we going to do this? Especially back then, yeah, yeah because they didn't, exactly. the equipment they had, I mean, some, some bands could do it, but uh, sure. yeah, some bands just couldn't. They were just like a studio band. Yep. Uh, yeah, and they were only together really for a few years, so um, it would yeah. have been amazing if they had been able to bring that sound live. <clears throat> I agree. Yep. All right, so we get another Chris Bell song now is Try Again. And uh, I was thinking perhaps this is a precursor to his yeah. future mm-hmm. Christianity, yeah, right? Because there's I a definitely. lot of lords in this. Lord, I've been trying to be what I should. Lord, I've been trying to do what I could. But each time it gets a little harder. Well, I think his family, there might have been some, uh, my guess is that there was a lot of family pressure on him to uh, give, give up that rock and roll stuff uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, get right and... Uh, you know, these yeah. guys are from a place where that's the norm. Right. It's right. not, you know, playing in rock and roll bands is uh, was not. And how do these guys all avoid getting drafted? You wonder, like, every <laughs> every guy from that period, every American, you know, man of that era, age must have had to worry about that, you know, that their draft number coming up. Right. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they would have all been the right age. Exactly the right age. Um, but this one's yeah, it's a short, not a whole lot of lyrics, but bone they, spurs. Maybe they'll have bone spurs. <laughs> yeah, they had bone spurs. <laughs> Lord, I've An been epidemic tr- of bone spurs. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get good on that road this week. Good Lord, Lord, I've been trying to be understood, but Lord, I've been trying to do as you would. But each time it gets a little harder. I feel the pain, but I'll try again. So he's struggling with you know he's struggling conformity yeah, he with uh, yeah. his uh, what he what he thinks. That what the church thinks he should do, or his family, and so right. forth. Pretty, and real no pretty doubt song, with, with being gay when that was still not. It acceptable. was totally unacceptable, and yeah, especially, you know, I mean, if he was in New York, okay, right. he yeah. wasn't in New York, right? Or any, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. He, he would have been in uh, the Velvet Underground in New York. Exactly. Yeah. It's absolutely right. But he was not. He was in, uh, you know. All right. In Memphis. In Memphis. So we get to song number 11 is Watch the Sunrise. And this is a really pretty uh, 12-string oh, yeah. guitars. And this also, I feel like, Roger McGuinn influence, sure. right, in this song. Yeah, birds. And it starts out, it almost could just be an instrumental, because the whole instrumental opening is, like, really nice and pretty. Pardon and, me, uh, I was drinking some alcoholic <laughs> that is That is a beautiful song. It's beautiful, and it's a it's a real hippie song, but I still like it, even though it's very hippie. The watch the so sun, I'm going to mention something. We have, um, I used to print out the lyrics, and now I just load up a bunch of tabs on the browser because I was burning up a lot of paper. Because some records, I would end up with two sides of of four pages covered with small print on both sides. So small he couldn't even read it anyway. <laughs> right, and I had to have a, a lamp and extra glasses and stuff to read it. But this record is lyrically extremely. The brevity is is is. Uh, I think this is the shortest set of lyrics that we have had on any album. Oh, okay, okay. Like they, yeah. um, they do not uh, linger. No, no, on they're short and to the point. Pop and, songs, uh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But really great, like uh, thirteen, like the lyrics in thirteen. Uh, like, the, yeah. what more lyrics do you need? No, it's like no, everything. Every line is perfect in that song. Right. Right. It is. And uh, all right, so we get so this last song, you said this was one of the songs that wasn't on the reissue, even though it's short. It's only a, a minute long. <laughs> and it's yeah, four, four lines. 
But clearly, the engineers could not figure out a way to. And of course, later they did figure out a way to put both right. records but, in now, their entirety. On now, the now, Josh, how much does this song remind you of of like a Bob Pollard song, though, like a Guided by Voices song? You know, like a short one of his little. I can shorts. see it being kind of one of his throwaways. Yeah. Exactly right. That's what it kind of is. But it's still it, it it isn't bad. It's good. But it is. But but it's not really a complete song. But right. all right. So did any of you guys? Discover, look up what the. No, title. I was curious. About I found it. it. St one hundred forward slash six. I read. I found on a. Now this this was on some kind of a conspiracy. Some, no, no. <laughs> a, um, Alex Chilton and Alex Chilton like fan message board thing. So someone, this is what I found. He said, "Big Star and especially Chris Bell wanted to include this brief song as the last track on number one record as a kind of Beatles thing, like." Uh, Her Majesty at the yeah, end of Abbey Road. Yeah, yeah right. All right. Okay. The, the title came from a half-serious in-joke they had with Stax and Ardent. The album, <laughs> the album was taking a long time to come out, and despite being ready to go, uh, it was taking a long time, um, despite that it had pretty much been ready to go. So they had been joking with Stax and Ardent that they would put it out themselves on their own label. And they were like, hey, we even have a catalog number, ST100-6. Uh, <laughs> Put out a record now, or we're going to ST100-6 this thing. And it became a thing that they said. So once it was finally ready to come out, they, they used their in-joke uh, and the imaginary catalog number as a title for this last track, which they didn't have a title for anyway. So that, that sounds is cool. I, I know, and that sounds believe that. right. Then that sounds believable, right? I don't. If someone made that up, then props to them for like coming, you know, just coming up, pulling that out of their ass. But that actually yeah. does sound like uh, it could have happened, and that's pretty cool. That, and that makes me like it even that much more, you know? Because I definitely choose to believe it. Yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. that, yeah. It's, a, it's <laughs> an article of faith. We could do that. By the way, guys, did you know we could do that now? We could choose to believe anything we want now. It's true. because, And we can <laughs> say anything. You can say anything if you want. And if it's a lie, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. Because, you can yeah. go. Like, it you could go be to true. This, right. Maybe. 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 Could, maybe not. Who knows? Right. Who are you to say? That's right. <laughs> All right. You this can is, believe the absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. That's correct. That's correct. All right, maybe I feel like we're veering off to a different I podcast. I think we all know what we're talking about. <laughs> I think we do. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so uh, so that's it. That's the last song of number one record. Um, Which is just as... Yeah, it's, it's, and you listen... Do you guys... This is a record I still listen like now. I listen to it again, and I'm still... I'm going to listen to it again. It, it like comes in waves. Where it I'll, does. Uh, you, you forget how great it is, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I have to listen to this whole goddamn record now, yep. right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad I picked it. I'm, uh, and we're glad you did, too. Yeah, we're glad you did, too. Not if this. anybody hears it who's never heard it before, then... Uh, I Yeah, this is highly it. recommended. I know. My wife, Actually, Elisa didn't... She said, because she asked when I was leaving tonight, she said, uh, what record are you doing, Big Star? She goes, I don't think I know them. I go, oh, yes, it's, you do. And yeah. I played her some stuff. <laughs> I, got, I was yelling at her, but... Uh, I yeah, they stuff. still are, I, you know... No, they're obscure, except for a certain, you know, people... Those who know know, but there's plenty of people that like a lot of different kind of music, but never, never heard Big Star because they're still like a, like a, um, ups, kind of obs, obscure band. Like I said, they're they're not yeah. they're not held in the same regard that they should be with these right. Pantheon bands and records. Well, we tend we hit we've hit a lot of those the bands that were influential on bands that were famous, but not yeah, yeah, never yeah. hit the uh, right right hit the big time right. The Velvet Underground yeah. <laughs> effect. The Velvet sure. Underground effect, right. Yeah. Or the, what was it, uh, Sex Pistols. Everybody who was in that trade union hall in Manchester started a band. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, All right, 60 right. people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of them being Marquis e. Smith, you know, Howard DeVoto, those guys. All right, so uh, thanks. Thank and you, every Josh. every rock critic at that uh, at that uh, rock critic show that saw Big Star. The rock crit- I still can't the, the rock critic convention. I still that, that 70s, gives me man. that gives me shivers stuff just like thinking that. about yeah, that. But stuff like that, you could critics. get away with stuff. All like that. All dudes, right? All guys. I'm sure. <laughs> All girls. There were no female. Right. Are there any female rock critics now? I know. Well, are there any rock critics now? I don't know. Yeah, there are, but I'm, you know, we would... Uh, There's no rock anymore. Rock is dead, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> rock and roll is dead. All right, Josh, I mean, thank you. Be, uh, thank there, you so yeah. much for, uh, for bringing this record and for being yeah. a guest, one of, uh, one of the Tallahassee Mafia, Rock and Roll Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely was. I have to say, as a, a, I, I mentioned that at the end of the last podcast, but I was in uh, when the Singing Spoons were still together must have been i don't know 1989 i guess or probably 89 yeah around then and i was uh, oh, yeah. susan and i had been together for a while my wife who gets mentioned in every podcast yeah, she's she now holding to, the cat uh, she's restraining the cat contra- from jumping on the table we have to mention and uh so um she and i went to this party and it wasn't somebody's house that we had ever been to before it was some Somebody kind of we didn't know. Did you just crash a party? No, we got invited, but it wasn't. I, I don't know who else was going to be there, but and we, we, you guys were playing in the back room of this house. It was like it was like a house with a den, and you guys were set up playing in there. And we walked through the front room, and I walked into the den, and there was the most. It was absolutely mind blowing sound coming out of that den, and it was just you guys just hitting it. 100% because everybody in that band is a character that was the thing about the spoons was that that each and every there wasn't one guy who wasn't a stone cold weirdo in that Wait, band not Josh though he wasn't a character was he <laughs> yes yes he definitely was and we would have had it all turned up to 10 that's for sure. it was yeah but it was beautiful it was amazing so well so we should say uh, the the last episode that we just did uh at the end of the um new york dolls episode right that is the singing spoons the tail out. yeah i didn't singing. know what the hell so he was josh playing. is it the singing spoons or singing spoons i i, I prefer the okay the singing so that is so if you go back to the uh, that episode and listen to the tail out that is josh's band the singing spoons and i, I would recommend anyone who's interested message barry message that record got me higher you know barry I'll put stock it on the, I'll put and it he'll on the, uh he'll, he'll give you the whole record and you I'll can listen give you the whole, and josh will get I'll no money it from on, it he'll get nothing <laughs> well from it. it was never american buckle never came out so this I just rec- want seventy dollars every time I. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're you, let, let me tell you about our Patreon. Yeah. We'll <laughs> Rob, you want to talk about our Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash trgmh. Someone I was talking to someone today that threatened that they were going to do it. So we'll see. We'll they have threatened. another patron. They threatened that threatened they would to do give it. us a dollar. All right. So what do we got next week, Barry? We have an, a very unusual episode for us. <laughs> I'm dreading it already. <laughs> it's really great. It's actually the record's really good. It is. It's um, good. We are having one of our local um, friends, uh, TJ Smith, who's an excellent photographer and a character in her own right. She is a TJ's a character, and, and we're is, doing her favorite. She's obsessed with Duran Duran. She's, she's a Duran number one fan. Number one Duran right. Duran fan, and we're doing Rio, Rio by Duran Duran. And uh, <laughs> you Josh think I, you know what you think if you go back and. Go back and listen to it and go back and watch some of the live footage. 
they were not screwing around. Okay. Those guys, the bass playing on that record, the bass, that bass player. No, well, you can't. If you say anything bad about the bass player in front of TJ, she will literally punch you in the face. I won't because that guy, (laughs) that guy was on point. All right. Anyway. uh, That's what we're doing next week. We got Duran Duran with TJ Smith. That's right. So I'll put up the, I'll put up the songs from American Buckle on Dropbox and I'll share them out as part of our episode. So everyone can enjoy this lost classic. With, with no money to Josh. It, it is. And uh, Josh Clemens, thank you yeah, so very again, much. Yeah, Josh. It was nice meeting you, sort of meeting you, virtually meeting you. Maybe one day I'll meet you. Maybe we'll have a like a Tallahassee you, reunion and I can come. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I really appreciate being asked. Awesome. Thanks for doing it. All right. That record got me high. We are out. See you next week. Good night.